this morning. I actually want to. Thanks, Julie. <laughs> oh, I actually um, want to start with two confessions this morning. Uh, the first one is that I am getting way too old to sit outside in the cold that we had this last week to put my sermon thoughts together for today. Like that is just was not happening this week. Um, yeah. The second confession is that sometimes I look at at the texts that we have for the day. And, you know, these are texts that even I have chosen, and I think, what the heck? Like, where did these come from? (laughs) And as someone who believes that there is something new to learn, even with the most familiar texts, uh, while John and I were talking last Sunday night, I told him I have no idea where to go with this one. That precipitated a pretty interesting conversation, as you might imagine. One that kind of begs a silly joke like, what do you get when you put a theologian and an astrophysicist in the same room together? (laughs) All right, so I'm going to hold you in a little suspense, okay? We're going to come back to that here in a moment through some conversation this morning. Uh, But first, um, let let me get to our text, all right? So today's text is a familiar one. It comes from Matthew chapter 12. And Jesus has been going about ministry, of course, teaching and healing and sending out disciples to share the good news, right? And Jesus' Jesus's wisdom, his actions cause a lot of controversy, not surprisingly, right? He is up to a lot of things that, that the higher-ups, if you will, don't really like, like plucking grain of, grains and healing people on the Sabbath. These are big no-nos, Right? And he reveals his knowledge of the spirit world through healings and exorcisms, which, by the way, ultimately restore people back to communities from which they've been marginalized. Yep. Amen. Religious leaders then who question the divinity of Jesus and his authority grow increasingly agitated, right, as their powers are subversively being challenged or just really clearly being challenged, both. So not surprisingly, the scribes and the Pharisees, they step up their game, if you will, in trying to trap Jesus. And of course, they're ultimately trying to get rid of him. So attempting to gain some evidence to use against Jesus, despite the fact that he has already performed numerous miracles or signs, if you will, our text picks up in verse 38 with them asking for a sign. So if you'd like to follow along, you are welcome to. That's the wrong spot. Um, I'm going to read, actually, because this is a familiar text, I'm going to actually read the text two times, hence all of, like, my things up here. Um, it's a full morning. I have lots of things up here. I'm super excited. Um, I'm going to read it twice. I'm going to read it first from the NRSV, which you can maybe follow along if you want to pull up there in the link in your bulletin. You're welcome to do so. But I'm also then going to read it from the First Nations version, okay? And then afterwards, I'm going to share just a couple thoughts, and we're going to come back to that conversation with John and then open it up for some larger reflections, okay? So as I read, though, I want you to pay attention to how the text is drawing us to connect with God as we connect to the land, okay? Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, 
An evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so for three days and three nights the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. The people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah, and see, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon, and see, something greater than Solomon is here. And from the First Nations Version. Then some of the scroll keepers and separated ones, the Pharisees, spoke back to him. Wisdom keeper, they demanded, show us a powerful sign to prove who you are. But creator sets free, Jesus turned their words back on them, for they had just seen him do a powerful sign. Only a bad-hearted and unfaithful generation would keep demanding signs, he answered. The only sign that you will be given is the sign of the prophet Wings of Dove, Jonah. Just as he was in the belly of a great fish for three days and nights, the true human being will be in the womb of the earth for three days and nights. When the time comes for the final decision to be made about the people living today, the people of village of changed minds, Nineveh, will stand in agreement against them. What they did will show your guilt, because they changed their hearts and minds when they heard the message of wings of dove, Jonah, Look, one who is greater than he stands before you now. The female chief of the south will also be there as a witness against the people of this generation. Her reputation will show your guilt, for she journeyed from a land far away to listen to the wisdom of the great chief stands in peace, who is Solomon. Look, one greater than stands in peace is standing right in front of you. This is the word of the Lord. I want to define a couple of terms because, as you might infer, this text was actually chosen because of this one phrase, okay? In the NRSV, it is the phrase, in the heart of the earth. The, the Greek words here for heart um, is not surprising. It's cardia, right? Um, which is where we get words like cardio, cardiac, etc. It is the center or the, or the seat of all spiritual and physical life. The word here for earth, we've heard this before, is gay, and it is the ground or the whole earth as kind of a standing place. But the First Nations version uses the phrase, in the womb of the earth. Womb, of course, being where energy is generative and transformation takes place, out of which life is formed or birthed. So this phrase, in the heart or womb of the earth, is where I'd like to focus our attention today, but let me first share just a few observations with you. The first observation that I made is that Jesus is continually saying that amidst all those who have shown you signs and that you've trusted before, prophets like Jonah and wise kings like Solomon, that there is a greater wisdom and sign among you now. The second observation is that maybe, unlike the people of Nineveh, 
those who bear witness won't actually receive the sign, repent and believe. In other words, they will resist the Spirit's redeeming work in their lives. And the third observation is this. Not only is Jesus foreshadowing his death, but I believe he is revealing something profound about the signs that we can easily miss today. And if we hear this text in a fresh way, of course, post-resurrection, right? I believe we receive gifts of the good news. The good news is that the resurrected Christ comes from the heart or the womb of the earth where all energy is moving and generates and sustains life. This is an energy that has been since creation, and God has revealed it and its redemptive power, first, though, through the resurrection of the incarnate one. And I believe that the gifts then inherent to this good news are these three things. I'm really into threes today, apparently. I believe that we have a gift, that as we live, move, and have our being in Christ, the journey into the heart or womb of the earth leads to reconciliation with God, with one another, and the whole of creation. Another gift. Jesus has gone before us into the heart of the earth, buried and raised to new life. I don't know about you, but I've noticed in myself that it can be really difficult to embrace new life until I've more fully embraced death. And sometimes I have to sit and be kind of buried in it for a while before I believe or see the signs of new life. But the gift is that Jesus has gone before me, gone before you, and gone before us. And the third gift is this, that sometimes what we perceive as bad or dead or threatening can be critical for survival or for life. And so... Back to that conversation that John and I had. I'm going to let you grab a mic and pull up your seat and deal with all the audio at the same time. It'll be great. So what happens when you put a theologian and an astrophysicist in the room to have a conversation? This. We're going to have it. We did not, like, prepare anything. So we're just basically going to reenact the five-minute conversation that we had on Sunday night. Which, for me, you know, sometimes these are, like, just blips, right? Like, just little moments, and all of a sudden it's like, Whoa! Never thought of that. Anyway, all right. Hopefully, we won't have any sound issues. Fun, fun. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm like looking at this text, and it's a familiar passage. And there's one phrase in it: "Into the heart of the earth." And I'm not really sure what that means or where that leads us, except to say that, like, post-resurrection. Um, that, like, that's where Jesus went. And out of that, somehow there's a connection to the earth that is leading back to life. 
through this process of death. And so I'm just pondering that. And that sparks some things in your mind, doesn't it? Well, when you first started using those terms, the heart of the earth and the womb of the earth, um, that immediately got me thinking uh, from an astrophysical perspective about the actual earth itself. And um, while there's this beautiful sort of metaphorical aspect to the passage, it got me thinking about the, the literal heart or womb of the earth because um, one of the things we talk about in planetary astronomy is that uh, planets like the earth are literally pregnant with energy and the core of our earth is actually hotter than the surface of the sun to give you a sense for how much energy is beneath us and that energy is brought to the surface and as I was thinking about that and it was, this conversation was happening right in line with um, I don't know how much you've been following the news about the um, volcanic eruptions in the Canary Islands and all the destruction and things that that's bringing. But, um, and while that is, you know, sad because it's impacting people's lives, it's impacting, um, in, you know, local environment and people's livelihoods, um, things like that are critical for our survival as a species because the um, Earth holds its atmosphere to itself by gravity. But it's a, it's a battle that the Earth is slowly losing. Our atmosphere is escaping into space. And so for our atmosphere to continue to be replenished, literally energy and gases from beneath the surface have to be brought and then injected into the sky through tectonic and volcanic activity. So literally the acts of destruction that we see through you know, volcanic eruptions and things like that are actually bringing the sustaining things we need for life. And I was just pondering like this sort of balance of this metaphorical picture of the womb of the earth and this idea of bringing new life from that and the literal aspect of this energy in the harder womb of the earth that is also necessary for the sustaining and bringing of life. And it's been there mm -hmm. since the beginning since of the, the earth. Okay. Yeah. And that's where we started sipping our wine some more and went, huh. She said, tell me more about this. <laughs> there you have it, friends. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> no, no, not that one. So. Maybe that will um, sit with you this week and challenge you a bit to see uh, not only the text in a bit different way, but to begin opening up the possibility of what Christ is doing and what it means um, for Christ to first go into the heart of the earth, out of that, for there to be life for all. I'm going to read the First Nations version one more time, because I like this version. I'm going to read it, though, and I'm going to ask that you just pay attention. See what kind of stirs in you as I read it again. If you've got anything else you would like to add to this conversation that we're having in the broad sense, not just today, but like in total as we pay attention to the land and connection to God. And then I'll give us just a, a few moments to engage in some conversation amongst all of us, if you would like.
Then some of the scroll keepers and separated ones, the Pharisees, spoke back to him. Wisdom keeper, they demanded, show us a powerful sign to prove who you are. But creator sets free, turned their words back on them, for they had just seen him do a powerful sign. Only a bad-hearted and unfaithful generation would keep demanding signs, he answered. The only sign that you will be given is the sign of the prophet Wings of Dove. Just as he was in the belly of a great fish for three days and nights, the true human being will be in the womb of the earth for three days and nights. When the time comes for the final decision to be made about the people living today, the people of village of changed minds will stand in agreement against them. What they did will show your guilt because they changed their hearts and minds when they heard the message of wings of dove. Look, one who is greater than he stands before you now. The female chief of the south will also be there as a witness against the people of this generation. Her reputation will show your guilt for she journeyed from a land far away to listen to the wisdom of the great chief stands in peace. Look, One greater than stands in peace is standing right in front of you. Any thoughts anyone would like to share? Ponderings, wonderings. It's Solomon. So the the example of Uh, the prophet Jonah saying, like, repent and believe um, is is standing also alongside the wise king of Solomon who was believed um, to be kind of a leader and to to move people toward God. So they're taking those two examples and saying, and Jesus is saying, one greater than those is standing with you now. That you've looked for these signs before, right? And, and you have it right here in me. Yeah. Right. For him to have the audacity to say and compare even himself to these these people. Especially amongst the people of story, right? Yeah. 
that is really, really interesting and powerful example. Yeah, that Jesus chose two that were not uh, Jewish, Nineveh and yeah, when speaking back to those scribes and Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. 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 If you couldn't hear Joel, he's just reflecting on the the yes and nature of like, yes, we have we have come from these places, we have we have seen this work and there's still there's really more to do. Follow me. Yeah. Yeah. And process. <laughs> Brooks just reflecting on that yes and statement being really kind of at the heart of this process theology of which is really helpful in terms of kind of recognizing even scripture that's difficult and saying and right and we're there's we're evolving and maybe God's evolving and being able to sit in that and participate in that way. I'm sure there's lots more that we could converse about together around this. Um, and for some of us, we're post-processors, so we're going to get home and be like, oh, that one thing. Uh, I'm going to leave you with a few questions this week to continue pondering. Um, they're in your bulletin, but I'm going to read them anyway. As followers of Jesus, we join the work of Christ through the pattern of life, death, and resurrection. So what does it mean for us to be in the heart or womb of the earth? What is it about the land that teaches us that we are not other? We are all interconnected in creation. As we are called to return to the Adama, the land, being grounded to that which is life-giving, what signs are we receiving that Jesus is who he says he is? And how are we allowing the Spirit to change our minds and our hearts? Where or in what does the good news of Christ need to meet 
you. I'm going to encourage you to sit with those questions this week. Yes, the good news is that the resurrected Christ comes from the heart or the womb of the earth where all energy moves and generates and sustains life. It's an energy that has been since creation and God reveals the redemptive power there through the resurrection first in the incarnate one. And it's happening here and now. So as we follow Jesus, might we learn to return to the Adama and to perceive anew, joining in the pattern of life, death, and resurrection on earth as it is. Amen. You can turn to your Lord's Table Liturgy.